You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, November 22nd, the day before Thanksgiving, the day before the 49ers take on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. It's a big divisional rivalry, as we all know. Um, what's up? What's up, everyone that is in the comments? Thank you so much for joining me the day before a holiday. Like, that's kind of a big deal, right? I know a lot of people are busy. Uh, Lori's busy. She couldn't make it here today. Uh, so you guys are stuck with me, but we're going to have a great uh, preview show for you today. I say we, it's only me. I'm going to have a great preview show for you guys today. Uh, shout out Technic Chic 49K. Yeah, hit those. Uh, hashtag 49k in the comments so I know you're here. But let's start off with the weather, looking at the weather for this game. We're looking at a pretty chilly night for Seattle. I'm going to go ahead and put that uh, screen back up. 33 degrees is the low, and as you know, this game kicks off at uh, 5.20, I believe, uh, Pacific time, so it is going to be a chilly one. Uh you know, make sure if you're at the game, bring your jackets. Hopefully it's not going to be something that impacts the players. I don't think it will be. It's not quite that cold, but something to keep an eye on. Now, something to look at for this matchup, the injuries, right? It's a short week. Both teams uh, came out of last week's game with injuries. So Talano Hufunga, of course, not on the injury report, but he's been placed on injured reserve. So that's pretty much been done. He is out for the season. Uh, but the 49ers have a number of players who are questionable for this matchup, including both of their guards, uh, left guard Aaron Banks dealing with a toe injury and Spencer Burford, right guard dealing with a knee injury. Now, Aaron Banks has a chance to come back in this game. Uh, Spencer Burford, I feel like this is a new injury for him, so he might be more on the question, the uh, negative side of questionable uh, from Banks. Of course, this is just me speculating. And, of course, uh, Robert Beal and Samuel Womack still on IR, but they've been practicing with the team. Um, I don't think they're going to be activated ahead of this game. Now for the Seahawks, some of the injuries on their end, most notably – Geno Smith dealing with an elbow bruise to his right elbow. That is his throwing elbow. He is questionable for this game. As for running back Kenneth Walker, their starting running back, he is dealing with an oblique injury that he suffered on Sunday against the Rams. He is doubtful for the game tomorrow, Thursday. So those are the big injury updates for uh, both teams uh, I think the biggest one for the 49ers is the guard spot, right? I mean, it's possible that Aaron Banks does play, and if so, and Spencer for, Spencer Burford doesn't, I would expect that we see John Feliciano at the right guard spot. In the event that they both don't play, I don't really know what they do, quite honestly, but um, I am i don't think it's going to get to that point. I think Aaron Banks will play for this one, and I think if I had a guess, Spencer Burford probably – uh, won't. So John Feliciano maybe moves over to the right guard spot, which Kyle Shanahan said they were thinking of, you know, giving him some snaps there anyway, before Aaron Banks got hurt. So, Hey, maybe it works out for the better 
uh, for John Feliciano and the 49ers. Moving along here. Now, of course, I always go through the favorable and cautious matchups when it comes to these preview shows. I'm going to start with the cautious matchups first. And quite honestly, I don't have many cautious matchups, with that, which I feel a little bad about. It's like, ooh, should I feel that confident about this game? But if you look at both of these teams side by side, the 49ers far and away are the better team on paper, even if you look at stats even if you look at both of their tapes i mean the 49ers are just the better team so that is the reason why i only really have one cautious matchup for them this week but that matchup is the seahawks defensive line going up against the 49ers offensive line as we know like the 49ers pass protection has been a bottom 10 unit in the league this season not good and in the latest uh pass protection composite rating uh and i've shared that uh many times i'll share it uh later in a bit but i don't want to spoil uh one of my favorable matchups later uh, i'll just say that the 49ers pass protection ranks 23rd and pretty much what that composite rating is it combines pff sports info solutions and espn ratings or scores um, into one grade so the 49ers rank 23rd combined in all those sites and that's pretty much where they've been in and around all season so hasn't been a great season for the 49ers offensive line in terms of their pass protection in the games that Trent Williams was out like that was definitely amplified right Trent is, of course, back now, but the 49ers still dealing with some injuries at both guard spots, as I mentioned this week. Um, and again, if Bank plays and Burford doesn't, we'd expect to see John Feliciano at right guard and vice versa, right? Um, if both are out, again, I, I don't know what they'll do, but I would feel even less uh, confident about the offensive line if both of those guys were out. So... Yeah, Boy Mafe is one of the – he's probably their best pass rusher on this team. He leads the team with 34 pressures, 24 hurries, seven sacks this season. He will be lining up mostly over Colton McKivitz. And so Colton McKivitz has been up and down this year. He'll have some really bad games followed by a decent one where you don't really hear his name or he doesn't really seem to bother you all that much. But – Let's face it, Colton McKivitz has been average for this offensive line. I mean, it's part of the reason the entire offensive line as a whole has kind of like suffered. Um, and so hopefully uh, Colton McKivitz can have a decent day. I mean, that's all you can hope for, a decent day against Boye Mafe because Mafe is really good. Um, and they also have a very solid interior defensive line. Uh, they have Jaron Reed. They have Draymond Jones. They traded for Leonard Williams midseason, as uh, 49ers throwback points out. Uh, so they have a a plethora of interior guys. Uh, they they definitely miss. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, Nwosu who who they had at at defensive tackle. He got hurt. That was probably their one of their better defensive linemen. Period. Uh, and so. When he went out with the injury, that's what prompted them to get Leonard Williams from the Giants. And as we know, uh, Williams, who played the 49ers in week three as a member of the Giants, had a sack in that game as well as two quarterback hits. So 
a, a guy to keep an eye on here because he could give the interior some issues again, as well as the guys that I mentioned, Jaron Reed and Draymond Jones. Um, it could be potentially a long day for the guards for Brendel. So Brock Purdy is going to have to make something happen out of nothing pretty much. And he's done a great job of doing that already and, and masking the pass blocking deficiencies of the offensive line. But speaking of Brock, let's look at what Brock Purdy did in last season's game against the Seahawks. Now, remember he faced them twice last season. It was probably the first time that he ever faced a team twice. Right. Uh, Given that, you know, he's, became a starter pretty late in the season. Anyway, uh, in week 15, Brock Purdy was 17 of 26, 217 yards. He had two touchdowns. And remember, that was the oblique game, so he wasn't exactly 100%, um, you know, pretty limited all throughout the week. And he went out in that game, and the 49ers won. 217 yards, two touchdowns from Brock pretty decent performance given his limitations with the oblique. Now in the wild card game and now in the playoffs last season, he was 18 of 30. So not his most efficient day in terms of completion percentage, but he threw for 332 yards and three touchdowns. So at the end of the day, not a bad day at the office. Um, His yards per attempt in that game was 11.1. So dude was slinging it. And his, uh, Yards per attempt so far this season has been 9.6. So he hasn't really been a stranger of throwing the ball downfield. Brandon Ayuk, as we know, has been a big beneficiary of that. So could be something that we see in this game again, potentially. Oh, no. But anyway, my only cautious matchup, as I said, for this game is the 49ers offensive line going up against the Seahawks defensive line. And again, I feel bad. That's my only cautious matchup. It it makes me feel like cocky in this game, but I will say this. The only other thing that worries me about this game besides just that matchup would be the environment, right? Like it's Seattle. We know how, how hostile it could be in there. We know how loud it can be. It's prime time Thanksgiving. You know, people are going to be rowdy. The crowd's going to be rowdy. Um, And so all those things could play into the Seahawks playing a little bit better than they have in previous games. You know, they always play the 49ers tough. So those are the things that, you know, I don't really have as a specific matchup, but I also acknowledge could, you know, change the way that this game uh, transpires. So while, yeah, that's my only matchup, I'm going to go into the favorable matchups now for the 49ers. And I got a few of them that I want to highlight And I want to talk about the 49ers defensive line against the Seahawks offensive line because I like that matchup a lot. In three games against Seattle last season, the 49ers defensive line tallied 61 total pressures. Um, And the 49ers defensive line these last two weeks, I think, have shown that they're kind of back to their old selves And even with Chase Young, like they might be even better than they were last season, right? When they played the Seahawks. So I would expect the 49ers defensive line to give the Seahawks offensive line troubles again. Like that, that's pretty much what opened the game up for the 49ers. Like the Seahawks couldn't get anything going because Geno Smith just had no time in the pocket, no time to operate this offense. I pretty much would expect more of the same. I did want to share 
this for you guys. And this is the composite rating that I was talking about, the uh, pass protection composite rating. As you can see, the Seahawks offensive line and pass protection ranks 24th. That is just below the 49ers. So I was just talking about the fact that the 49ers offensive line really hasn't been all that great this year. Well, the Seahawks pretty much in that same arena, um, except that I would I, I would say the 49ers defensive line probably better than the Seahawks defensive line. So I do like this matchup for the 49ers defensive line. I will say this, though. Surprisingly, Geno Smith has been sacked five on on 5.7 percent of his dropbacks um hold on. i think it's yeah so i'll just move on to this this screen here you guys can see the um the seahawks offense yeah so geno smith has been sacked 5.7 percent of his dropbacks this season that's actually seventh lowest in the league um and a lot that that's less than brock purdy has been sacked um and for reference baker mayfield who the 49ers faced last week had a sack rate of 5% going into week 11 against the 49ers, and he ranked fifth in the league in sack rate. The 49ers, you guys recall, they sacked Baker four times in that game on Sunday. For context, though, anyone who knows who watched the game, two of those came late in the game, fourth quarter, garbage time basically, so make of that what you will. Uh, for even more context, uh, I know it feels like inception. I'm giving you guys a lot of stats here, but for more context, Baker Mayfield had a scramble rate of 6% 11th highest. So a lot of the reason that Baker Mayfield's uh, sack rate is so low is because Mayfield was pretty good at escaping the pocket. Uh, Geno Smith, he ranks 26th in scramble rate though. Um, He has a scramble rate of 3.2%, which in theory would or should make it easier for the 49ers to get after Geno Smith if he's not as um, active escaping the pocket as a guy like Baker Mayfield is. So while Geno Smith hasn't been sacked a whole lot, I feel like the opportunity is still there for the 49ers to get after him. Um, Now, as I mentioned, like Geno Smith dealing with an elbow injury, I don't know if that's going to make him, I don't want to say jittery, but like maybe it makes him escape the pocket a little bit more because he's trying to avoid getting hit. Um, I don't know. Could that could hurt him? That could help him. I'm not sure. We'll just have to see on uh, tomorrow night what transpires there. But again, I feel pretty good about the 49ers defensive line going up against the Seahawks offensive line. It could be a really long day for Geno Smith again and again like keep an eye on that elbow for geno smith because if, if he does re-aggravate it at all it could be a possibility we see um you know smith uh leave the game at some point and maybe we see drew lock not sure but always a possibility let me look at some of these comments before i move on to the next one anthony says i expect them to play better against the sea ducks yes um <laughs> I, I i would hope so right the things that concern me is the fact that the game is played in Seattle. So I feel like it, it would be Seattle who may get a little boost of, uh, you know, feeling a little better in that environment, feeling more comfortable, playing a little bit harder. But I, I do think the 49ers, these last two games have looked like the team we all knew them to be. So I would expect that, you know, the 49ers will, will be ready to, 
you know, play hard as well. Um, Nathan says, hey, y'all. Uh, Technic Sheik says, I love that you feel a little bad about not having a lot of cautious matchups. <laughs> Shows you're basing your stuff on stats and factual info. As much as I can, I usually do try to keep the cautious matchups and favorable matchups even. But for this one, like, it was just a... It was just hard, quite honestly. <laughs> Technic Sheik says, I'm curious to see how his elbow might affect his throws. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair concern, right? It is, um, it's worth noting, of course, that he did come back in the game late against the Rams. He played that final drive to put him in scoring position. He was throwing the football. It didn't seem like he was limited really it's not like they were just running the football so but also in the heat of the game when you have adrenaline and all of the, all of those things you know sometimes players don't really feel the pain as much uh he did practice i believe earlier today um for the Seahawks so i i would expect like i i'm going into the game as, as a viewer i'm going into this game expecting that Geno Smith is not going to have any limitations just because I don't want to be disappointed if I expect that he's going to be like all limited hobbled and, and all this stuff. And, you know, then he, he throws fine. So I'm, I'm expecting he's going to look like the same guy. And if he doesn't, Hey, that that's a bonus, right? Gammon Brown says, if Purdy is so great, why did he only have one 76 yard pass? If I was a quarterback, I would do that every time. Yeah, I mean, if if I was a quarterback, I would simply complete all of my passes. And I would, I would simply just throw a touchdown on every pass. Like, what's so hard about that, right, Gammon? <laughs> um, 49ers throwback. This is a great stat. Thank you for, for pro- providing this. He said the Ravens sacked Geno Smith four times. Yeah, and, and the Ravens are up there with one of the better defenses in the league as well, right? So. That's great context. That's that's great reference um, for this matchup as well. And another reason why, why I feel so great about the 49ers defensive line going up against the Seahawks offensive line. Um, Chris says, Gino doesn't match up well against this defense. Look how he badly struggled against the Rams. Look at, look at how badly he struggled last year against the 49ers. Like, much of those games, even when they, you know, maybe put up points, towards the end or at any point much of the game he was struggling against this defense so i'd expect more of the same um manny says you're a gem thank you so much manny appreciate you Uh, but let me get to the next uh favorable matchup for you guys and it's kind of along the lines of the 49ers defense and i like this matchup against the seahawks run game and i'm gonna stay on this slide for a bit more here because um you know, I I I want to talk about Zach Charbonnet. Kenneth Walker, as I mentioned, is doubtful for this game for the Seahawks, their usual starting running back, which means they'll be relying on their rookie, Zach Charbonnet, out of uh, UCLA to start in his place. Um, and it's not that I don't respect Charbonnet. That definitely isn't it. He's a, he's a nice running back. I liked him coming out of the draft. I actually kind of wanted the 49ers to draft them if they went that route of getting yet another running back, but um, the Seahawks have the sixth lowest rushing play percentage in the NFL. That is even lower than Tampa Bay. And if you guys recall my 
preview show from last week, I pointed out the fact that Tampa Bay was kind of one dimensional where he, well, here we have another team in the Seahawks who again, voluntarily, it seems one dimensional despite having a better run blocking unit uh, than here. Let's see. They have a better run blocking uh, unit than they do uh, pass blocking. And as you can see from this composite rating, they their offensive line ranks seventh in run blocking. So it's kind of baffling that they don't run the ball more, but hey, to each his own, right? And so going back to Zach Charbonnet, they have mixed him in throughout the season. Like he's been their RB2. If you guys ever watch the Seahawks, you know that they always mix in another running back. So he's gotten his his chances, his snaps here and there. He can be very efficient. Last week, obviously, you know, he had his highest snap and carry count of the season with uh, Walker exiting that game. So he had 15 carries, 47 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. So not the most efficient day for Charbonnet last week with the higher uh, carry volume. So I don't know if that's something that to keep an eye on. He's certainly been uh, more efficient with less carries in the past. So maybe he's not ready for like a full workload. Not sure. Uh, I guess we'll we'll find out with a larger sample size in this game, right? But the one thing I think the 49ers could stand to look out for with uh, Charbonnet are the screens um, and his involvement in the passing game. Kind of similar to Rashad White last week, so I kind of feel like having faced Rashad White last week was a great warm-up for this matchup. And I honestly think Rashad White probably um, a better talent, at least that I know, uh, a better talent right now than Zach Charbonnet, who, as I mentioned, still a rookie. So um, this will be his first time starting in a game. So we'll see how he does. Uh, going back to the um, his involvement in the passing game last week, he caught all six of his targets for 22 yards. Not a lot of yardage, not a lot of yardage, but it does show that, you know, they do want to involve him in the passing game, the six targets. So, um, and again, like I said, especially screens with the 49ers uh, line being as aggressive as it is, I think they are going to try to get that going. And the one thing I will say about the 49ers defense is that it does seem like they've tightened up their screen defense in the last couple weeks. And so I, I feel pretty good about the matchup as long as they continue to you know, be good in that area. So basically if 49ers defense can stop Zach Charbonnet, I think they'll find their job um, on defense to be a hell of a lot easier. Like at that point, I think the game could just come to them. Um, so let me, let me check the comments once again, before I move on to the next favorable matchup. What's going on, Rick? Glad you're here. 49ers throwback says Kenneth Walker being out hurts them too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It definitely does. Kenneth Walker is a really good back. And, and again, it's not that like Zach Charbonnet isn't, but like, I just, we don't know. I just, there's a reason he's the backup though. I just have to assume he, as of right now, he's not as strong a running back as Kenneth Walker. So um, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, 49ers throwback thinks that uh, Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw will demolish 
uh, Charbonnet. Um, yeah, and don't be involved. I mean, don't don't be surprised if uh, Jair Brown gets involved in that too. He he can come downhill pretty fast. That's something that I liked uh, watching his film uh, from the game. By the way, I did post a video with all of Jair Brown's snaps from Sunday's game uh, on my channel. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out after this. Technic Sheik says, I always want a glass of Chardonnay when I hear Zach Charbonnet's name. It's a really cool name. Like Zach Charbonnet is a, <laughs> is a cool name, but I hear you. Definitely, uh, definitely does sound the same. Anthony says, hopefully we get Gino out as well. All like most of the reports seem to indicate that Geno Smith is going to play in this game. He practiced earlier today. So I think the assumption should be that Geno Smith is going to be out there. And like I said, just to be safe, I'm assuming personally that he's not going to be limited out there. If he is limited by this injury at all, I mean, that'll only favor the 49ers, but I'm certainly not going into it, making any assumptions. Um, but yeah, let's see. My next uh, favorable matchup involves the 49ers playmakers going up against the Seahawks uh, linebackers. And the reason is because I saw this tweet from David Lombardi uh, that said, Seattle has some promising young cornerbacks. However, the Seahawks rank number 25 in pass defense DVOA. That is mainly because linebackers Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks and safety Julian Love have given up a lot of yards and coverage. In, if you see the rest, this season in coverage, Bobby Wagner has given up 374 yards. Jordan Brooks has given up 317 yards. And safety Julian Love has given up 322 yards. You guys know what that means. You guys know what that means. If you guys don't, let me help you out. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan like loves when linebackers are susceptible uh to letting his playmakers run free in coverage and so i'm sure he's getting to look a real good look at those linebackers and julian love their safety to see how he can expose them and put his guys in favorable matchups so that's a matchup i feel good about in this game and seahawks are giving uh, up an average of 5.3 catches and 54.2 yards to tight ends, a modest amount. Um, I, I want to say like Tampa Bay was kind of around that too. Uh, and as we know, Kittle had a pretty good game last week as well. He stayed involved in this offense, which we all love to see. Um, but look, I, I really don't think that George Kittle is the only beneficiary of this. I think uh, Chris McCaffrey could be as well. I think Debo can be as well. Uh, the Seahawks defense has given up an average of 5.2 catches and 44 yards to running backs through the air. That is weekly. Um, so that's a that's a pretty decent amount. And so I think guys like Christian McCaffrey and you know even Debo can be involved uh, in this game. Debo has been kind of quiet lately. Uh, so I kind of feel like maybe they're they're setting him up to have a big game here in Seattle. Certainly that could be the case. Maybe, maybe I'm just speculating, you know, a lot and maybe Debo just needed some time to get to 100% after his shoulder injury, but I don't know. I kind of feel like this could potentially be a big Debo game, but going back to George Kittle, 
and his performances against the Seahawks last season. In week week 15, he had 93 yards and two touchdowns, but in the wild card game, he had just 37 yards and no touchdowns. So it seems like in the wild card game, the Seahawks were way more prepared for George Kittle and he didn't really do much that time despite uh Brock Purdy throwing over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Kittle wasn't really involved that time around, but Debo didn't play in week 15 last season against the Seahawks, but in the wild card game, Debo had six catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. So I think there's reason to believe that Kittle or and or Debo can go off in this game. And of course, Christian McCaffrey is going to stay involved. And I would expect Brennan Ayuk, who has really found a nice role with this team, to stay involved as well. I think, of course, he, with his 19.3 yards per catch average, which is insane, I think uh, he he's going to be that downfield guy, that downfield threat that helps create space um, for this team. So I'm excited for it. Uh, that's That was probably my last favorable matchup, but I do want to – it's not that I think this is a favorable or not favorable matchup. I just don't really know, but I know it's going to be entertaining is Mooney Ward going up against DK Metcalf because those guys can really go at it. Like if you recall, it doesn't take much to get DK Metcalf roid raging, but Mooney Ward is one of those guys who can piss him off. And if you guys recall uh, the game last season, uh, when those guys were getting into it, it seemed like almost every snap uh, Mooney Ward got the better of him on the day. But, you know, we'll we'll see. It's I think it's going to be another back and forth battle between those two guys. So looking forward to that. Um, there's just a couple of other things that I wanted to point out. I'm going to get to some of these comments before I do, though. Uh, Ronnie says, just hope, just hopped on. What's the Seahawks biggest weakness? Honestly, their biggest weakness is their offensive line. Like when the biggest mismatch uh, on the Seahawks going up against this 49ers team, that's that's the biggest discrepancy I see. It, it's the 49ers defensive line against the Seahawks offensive line. I mean, we saw it last year. Their offensive line really has not improved um, since last season. So, again, could be a long day for Geno. Uh, but Ronnie, I mean, you you missed it. That was my one and only cautious matchup <laughs> that I mentioned to start the show. And most everything else has been in the 49ers' favor. Anthony says, Bobby is good. Yeah, speaking of Bobby Wagner, he's good, but getting old. Yeah, for sure, he's getting old. So definitely not the guy in coverage that he used to be. 49ers throwback says, Elijah Mitchell looked like the Elijah Mitchell on Sunday Let's hope he still has that burst speed in him. Yeah, I mean, Elijah Mitchell looked, he was efficient on Sunday. He only had four carries, but it was an efficient day for him. And that's a good sign. I think just the fact that he's now weeks removed from his injury, it seems like every day, it, you know, his his legs just look a little more fresh. And so I think Elijah Mitchell will continue to stay involved, right? And he might get a number of carries in this one. Look, tinfoil hat on, me speculating. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Jordan Mason gets some run in here too just because uh look, wait. I'm I'm going to I'm going to hold that thought for a second because it actually ties to one of the other things I was going to mention here in a bit. 
So stay tuned for more Jordan Mason talk. Um, yeah, a 49ers throwback also says Juwan Jennings against Tariq Woolen. Love that matchup. Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways, right? Like Mooney Ward against DK Metcalf, Jennings against Woolen. Like Juwan Jennings knows how to piss dudes off. And when he can do that, it means he's blocking his ass off. And the 49ers are probably having their way with teams <laughs> if if Jennings is pissing dudes off. Um, yeah, it's going to be a back and forth between both of those guys. I, I, I do love it. So, okay, here's, here's the thing I wanted to point out, right? It's not really a matchup specific thing, but I just wanted to say this. The Seahawks offense is averaging 45.8 of the possession time in games. That is 31st in the NFL. Only the Patriots are worse in time of possession. That right there is a sign of a poor offense. Their offense cannot stay on the field. Like any decent offense can at least be like middle of the pack in like time of possession. But the Seahawks offense clearly can't stay on the field. Um, and it, I think that favors the 49ers, obviously, because it means that the Seahawks defense is going to have to go out on the field more than they would like, probably. And that's going to mean over the course of the game, that defense is going to get tired. And this is why I think, you know, maybe a guy like Jordan Mason towards the end of the game, that's your closer right there. The, the Seahawks defense is tiring out. They're running out of gas. Perfect time to put Jordan Mason in there. Personally, that's what I think. But anyway, for reference, the 49ers are averaging the eighth, eighth most possession time in games. So, you know, obviously the 49ers are moving the chains. They're, they've been extremely efficient on first and second down. So if the 49ers just continue to play their game, continue to move the chains, continue to run the ball like they have been, they're well on their way to being in a favorable game script against the 49ers. So that's just another thing that I wanted to point out. Another thing I want to point out that I think could favor the 49ers in this one, the Seahawks are the worst team in penalties per game. They're averaging 7.6 penalties a game. It's highest of any team. Um, but the only thing that I would caution with that is like, just because they've had this history of, being bad in penalties per game doesn't mean that, you know, they're suddenly going to automatically have a bunch of penalties in this game. But the history seems to indicate that there's a good chance of that, right? So just another thing that I wanted to point out. At the same time, the 49ers have to be careful with penalties of their own because that's still been something they've been struggling with these past few weeks. This season, they, they're still better than the Seahawks in, in that category, but... Um, they had seven penalties each of the last two weeks, something they can stand to improve, uh, penalties in the first half were part of the reason that I thought the bucks kind of hung around in the first half of last week's game on Sunday. So, you know, as long as the 49ers play clean football and if the Seahawks, you know, shoot themselves in the foot, I think the 49ers are, are again, well on their way to being in a positive game script. So, let them make the mistakes. Don't make the mistakes for them. Don't give them free yards, any of that. So anyway, uh, another thing that I like about this matchup, and I did tweet about this a little bit ago, um, 
is I feel like this could be an opportunity for the 49ers to improve their red zone and third down woes of late. The last two weeks, the 49ers offense has been um, converting just 36% of their third downs, and they've scored on just 37% of their red zone trips. Um, And by scoring, I mean a touchdown, right? That's what we want at the end of the day when it comes to the red zone. So the Seahawks defense are... 28th in red zone scoring percentage allowed and 29th in third down conversion percentage allowed. So I like that. I feel like this could be a game where the 49ers get back on track when it comes to third downs um, and scoring in the red zone. Tampa Bay, as you guys might've known, one of the best, if not the best uh, red zone defense in the league. So that could have contributed to you know, the 49ers red zone woes, but again, it's now been a two week thing for the 49ers, but that little streak of poor third down and red zone efficiency could potentially end on Sunday. If the Seahawks defense continues to perform the way they have been this season in those situations. So guys, it's score prediction time. Send me your score predictions in the comments and I'm going to tell you mine right now mine is 29 13 uh you know i i think the seahawks are capable of you know maybe scoring here and there you know maybe mostly field goals they do rely on their their kicker jason myers a lot they relied on him for that field goal at the end of uh the rams game on sunday which would have given them the win, but he did miss that one. So, But they do rely on field goals quite a bit. So I say they get 13 points, and I think the 49ers get 29. You know, I still feel like because of the red zone and third down issues they've had, that's kind of keeping them from scoring 30 in this one. But even though I do think it will improve a bit in this game, I think they need everything to come together against the Eagles. Um, And this game is simply going to be a warm up for them. Uh, So I'm looking at some of your guys' predictions. I like it. 35-16 says Anthony. Hind says 24-21. Who that's a close one. I really, I really want to enjoy my Thanksgiving, man. Can we not do a three-point game? No, absolutely not. Uh, Steve Supremo says 26-21. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm still still a little close for my liking, but um, you know, I see the vision. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just think like I said at the top of the show, the 49ers are far and away the better team in most every facet of of this matchup. Like the only thing that can stop the 49ers is one, if the 49ers sh- stop themselves, if they if they shoot themselves in the foot, if they don't play clean football, if they make mistakes. And then also if the Seahawks defensive line comes to play and wreaks havoc on the 49ers offensive line. But the reason that I'm not as concerned with that is just because Brock Purdy has been doing such a good job of creating things on his own, you know, escaping the pocket if he needs to, being off schedule if he needs to, right? All those things that um, I think Brock has done well uh, helps the offensive line at the end of the day. So, you know, if the 49ers just play their game and don't play down to their opponent, I think 
they're they're going to win this game and and pretty handedly. And I need it. I need it because I need the 49ers to eat some turkey. A giant turkey like Nick Bosa, Chase. I don't even care who it is eating this damn turkey, but I want to see a 49er on the Seahawks field eating a big damn turkey leg. So I need it. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for spending part of your Wednesday with me. Make sure you like this video if you have not yet. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're curious about Jair Brown and what he might look like tomorrow night, I cut up all of his snaps from Sunday's game into one video for you guys to watch, see what you can expect. Um, I certainly liked what I saw, but that video is on my channel if you want to check it out. Make sure you guys do that after this. Um, make sure you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be live tomorrow. No post game from me tomorrow. Um, I'm actually going to uh, take a break from Thursday all the way through Sunday. Uh, no videos from me in that time span. I'll be back on Monday with Weston for the 49K Player of the Week show. So make sure you guys tune into that. But as always, make sure you guys have a good rest of your night, folks. For now, peace.